are listening to the Daily Roundup here as part of the Reality Steve podcast. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Really appreciate it. We've got a good show for you today. I'm going to go over a little bit of the Bachelorette stuff tonight as part one of the finale of Rachel and Gabby season is tonight. And then I'm going to talk a little bit more about the James McCoy Taylor situation and I'm going to read you uh, some of the stuff that I conversed with him about back in 2017 when we did the podcast, since he has accused me of blackmailing him. And it just kind of shows that this guy is just a liar. And I want it out there, frankly. Um, Little TV stuff, and then maybe a little talk about Monday Night Football last night. And we will get to that momentarily. As you know, this podcast is brought to you by Dame Products. You know Dame. When you think of vibrators, you think of Reality Steve. Try adding a toy into the mix and discover new layers of pleasure you can share, plus sex that you'll look forward to. Use code REALITYSTEVE to take 15% off your first order at dameproducts.com. Also brought to you by Green Chef. Go to greenchef.com slash realitysteve135 and use code realitysteve135 to get $135 off across five boxes and your first box ships free. Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. Let's get started here with your Bachelorette update. Not a ton to update here. Even though the show wasn't on last night, it almost feels like it's been two weeks since the show has been on, and really it's only been eight days. So tonight we get part one of the finale, and if you haven't been paying attention in terms of what the show has been promoting and what I've talked about a few times on the podcast, what you're going to get tonight is part one of what went down in Mexico and within tonight's episode, there will be live segments interspersed. We see this every season. This is nothing new. You will see something go down in Mexico. Then they'll bring it back to the studio audience. And maybe they'll have a guest or an alumni or Jesse will talk. And then coming in and out of commercial breaks, usually it'll be live studio audience. And then Jesse says, now let's see what's happening with Gabby. She was struggling with Eric or whatever the case may be, whatever they're going to say. And that's how tonight's episode is going to be done. I don't know how it's going to end. It's certainly going to end on some sort of cliffhangers since the proposals don't come till next week. But that's what you're looking at for tonight's episode is just a two-hour episode of stuff that goes down. I believe we're going to see both Tino and, well, we're going to get the resolution to what happens with Zach. And when Zach pulled her aside before the rose ceremony because he wants to tell her how she made him feel. After the overnight date, I'm assuming that's going to lead to his elimination. And then we know Avon meets her family and we know Tino meets her family. And then we'll get to what's going on with Rachel and or excuse me, with Gabby and Eric. We know Eric's the only guy left and no guy comes back for Gabby. So this is a Gabby and Eric thing. And as we've seen in the previews, they've teased that Eric is maybe getting cold feet about proposing and he just wants to date her. And that sends her uh, off to producers and she's a little upset and she's crying and she's like, I don't, you know, I don't want this. So that's what we're getting tonight in the episode, but it's going to end on a cliffhanger since we've got next week's finale, the Tuesday, the 20th, which is going to be the finale of this show. And we will be done with Gabby and Rachel's season. I haven't heard anything new in regards to The Bachelor. Like I said, sometimes I hear, sometimes I don't. More often than not, I don't 
when it comes to The Bachelor because this is the one thing that they can keep under wraps. It's not filmed in advance and taped in advance. And the times that it has been, quote-unquote, taped in advance where they went and shot somebody's you know, footage of their uh, for their intro package, what was the one time that happened when they did it for Kayla and they yanked that from her and they gave it to JoJo? So, or I shouldn't even say they yanked it from her. We know that they have more than multi, more than one person sign a contract to be the next lead because they want everything lined up so then they can then say whoever they do end up choosing, they can go right into filming and because they've already signed their contract and whatnot. There's an actual really good story behind that, and I'm trying to find out if I can share it um, in regards to a past lead announcement and, and, the, and the lengths that this show went to to basically fool somebody into thinking that they were the lead. It is, I, I, the thing is, it might have been told publicly already. I, that's what I'm trying to find out. If it's told publicly already, I'm just going to repeat it. But it's, it's amazing. And then when you see what happened with this person's career within the franchise afterwards, you're just like, wow. But I'm going to see if I can remember that story or see if I can remember, one, if it was already been told by this person, or two, um, if it's been told at all. So if it's already been out there, I don't even know. But I'll probably tell it uh, tomorrow if I can find out. Um, as for James McCoy Taylor, as you know, he was arrested over the weekend in College Station for public drunkenness, got a DUI, had an 18-year-old co-ed and a gun in a car. He he released a Facebook post yesterday. I'm not going to go over. He released a bullet point of like 10 bullet points of him trying to defend himself over this. And I hope he keeps releasing Facebook posts because it's only making him look worse. Um, but it's something I touched on in yesterday's podcast is back in 2017, he had sent out a mass text to a lot of the women from Nick's season apologizing for his behavior. And this text made it to me. And so I contacted him for the first time in my life on, what's the date on this? April 11th, 2017. I'm reading you the first DM that I sent him in regards to this text that I received, which was a text that he had sent out to numerous women in the franchise. I said, good news travels fast, and I say that with all sincerity. James, maybe you're pissed at me for writing what I did about your boy. I was speaking about Luke Pell at the time. Maybe you aren't, but I felt I needed to get this off my chest. Your message this morning to a lot of Nick's girls made its way to me, and I really respect you for doing that. It was kind of the whole point I was trying to make with the Luke stuff and when I told him directly, which was when I was speaking to Luke at the time, and he and I were not seeing eye to eye on things. I said, you don't treat women that way. You're not the first person from the franchise this fame got a hold of, and you won't be the last, but I think your message is a powerful one. It should be made publicly. I know that's scary and probably a lot of crow for you to eat, but I will gladly give you the forum to do it. What you said needs to be heard because it happens all the time, every season. At least you were finally one to recognize your behavior and hopefully put a stop to it. If you want to come on the podcast and explain your story, I'd love to have you on. It's one thing to tell it to a small group of women. It's another thing that all of Bachelor Nation hears it. You saw how quickly the Luke story spread. Your message would definitely get out there. I think it needs to be heard. Very big of you to admit that. If only others would, let me know if you're interested. He responded with, thanks, Steve. Yeah, it had been weighing me down for a while, and your article was one more thing that made me realize how messed up some of this is. I'd love to share my story. I leave New Zealand for Australia today, and maybe I can give you a phone call then about a good time to come on. Thanks for reaching out. So I read that to you because 
about a month later on March 6th is when I wrote him after he had been on podcast saying reality, Steve blackmailed me saying he was going to release the full text. If I didn't come on his podcast, did that email that I sent to you that I just read to you, the DM, did that sound like blackmail? Did that sound like, dude, if you don't fucking come on my podcast, I'm going to expose you. Uh, no, I was about as nice as I could be because this was a guy who was having F boy behavior and it was admitting to it. And I was just like, yeah, this is a good story. You need to share this. And don't just share it in a text message with the women from Nick's season. Come on my podcast. Talk about it. Let's let's discuss this. And you heard his response. And then after we recorded, this is what he wrote me on April 12th, 2017 at 5.56 p.m. Thanks again for allowing me to clear the air. You have no idea how good I feel right now. And then in another one right after that, um, thank you. Off the record between me and you, I am changing and it feels great. Hope you stick with this. Hope I stick with this. Sorry. As uh, Well, he wrote, hope you stick with this, and then changed in the next message, just wrote I with an asterisk next to it. So, yeah, hope I stick with this. Well, clearly you haven't. So <laughs> he's uh, uh, ultimately failed himself. But um, so for anyone, and, and I, trust me, there's more in the DMs between us, but this is what I'm talking about when I said this guy's just a liar. And when he started attacking me and calling me a blackmailer and telling, saying to people that on other podcasts that I was a dick and I was pressuring him to come on the podcast, you just heard the first ever, the first ever conversation I ever had with this guy in my life. I just read it to you. And his response certainly didn't say like, wow, Steve, that was really pressuring me. Like, no, it's just like, yeah, I'd love to do it. And um, there was no blackmail here. Um, so I don't know what he's talking about. Uh, I don't think he'll ever, I don't think he'll address this with me. This was, you know, like I said, this is five years ago and I never even brought it up at the time because I just knew this guy was a clown show. And I realized that he was basically just using me to try and get a message out there that made him look good. But now his, and just like everything else, when it comes to apologies, it's like, okay, that's a start. But if your behavior after your apology doesn't match up to your apology, then your apology is a moot point. And he has proven that time and time again over the last five years that he hasn't changed his ways. And um, there are numerous stories out there about him and being on college campuses and hooking up with girls that are, you know, under 21. And, you know, now he's paying the price. So good luck, James. You're going to need it. So what else is going on? Uh, in television news, I noticed that the Emmys were on last night. And, <laughs> I mean, I was watching Monday Night Football, so I wouldn't have watched the Emmys on a Monday night anyway. Weren't the Emmys always a big Sunday night thing? I guess maybe they didn't want to go up against Sunday Night Football anymore. I don't know. But I didn't watch the Emmys last night. And I told you part of me was, part of it is I was watching Monday Night Football, and part of it was, frankly, when Manny Moore doesn't get nominated for Best Actress in a Drama, I was out. I, I think she did a phenomenal job, especially in the last season of This Is Us, playing a, a woman in three different stages of her life. Was it three or four? I, I you know, you've seen the show. If you've watched This Is Us, I, I, I cannot believe she didn't get nominated. When she's been nominated in the past, it's not like they've ignored her for all six seasons. She's been nominated in the past. Season six was her best work. 
So there's a part of me that's just like, yeah, I don't care. I don't care. And plus, a lot of the Emmy shows now cover shows that are on streaming. In fact, most of the shows that are nominated are shows that are on streaming services, and I just don't watch a lot of TV on streaming services. So I don't know a lot of the shows that are getting nominated. So I couple that with I'm still bothered that Mandy Moore didn't get nominated. Um, I didn't watch. So who won? What happened? Did anything good happen? I know Kenan Thompson hosted, and that's about it. So I'm sure I'll read some of it today of who the winners were, and it'll be shows that I don't even watch. So I can't really compare whoever won Best Actress in a Drama last night. I can't really compare it to Mandy Moore because I probably didn't see their work. I just know she should have at least been nominated. I'm not saying like, oh, my God, she got hosed and didn't win. I just think she should have been nominated. So that's my take on the Emmys that I did not watch last night. This is kind of random, but it's also pop culture related. Last week before I left for Las Vegas, I saw something either online or maybe it was on TV. Whatever the case may be. Oh, and you know what it was? It was TikTok. I saw a TikTok that just showed up in my For You feed of a college in Japan, I believe. And it was someone saying that Psy, the K-pop artist, was performing. And it was just a mob scene. It looked like it was in like the quad of a college in Japan. And it was just packed. And he was singing Gangnam Style. We all remember that from, God, I don't remember the, what year that was. But we know how popular Gangnam Style ended up being. Like, it was just, it blew doors on every, like, it was everywhere. And I was just curious, like, I wonder how many downloads Gangnam Style has gotten on YouTube. And I went to YouTube, and I looked it up. And it got, and I saw that it was at 4.5 billion views. A K-pop artist had a video that had 4.5 billion views. And I was like, I'm wondering how, where that ranks in the terms of the most viewed YouTube videos of all time. So I just did a search and I found an article from May of this year. So we're, you know, it's four months old, but this is basically your, your rankings. And in this post that I found ranked the 20 most viewed YouTube videos of all time, 14 of them are music videos. And if you'd expanded it to, um, out, out even further, um, it's like 90 of them are music videos. But anyway, um, Gangnam Style was one, two, three, four, five, six. It's the seventh most viewed. And I don't think. I mean, maybe it's been passed up. It doesn't look. It, it had an eight hundred. It had an eight hundred um, or eight million download lead over eighth place. So I doubt it's been passed, and I doubt it passed anything else because it, it's older. But Gangnam Style. It's the seventh most downloaded video in the history of YouTube. Baby Shark <laughs> is number one, in case you didn't know. As of May, it had 10.6 billion views. 
Second place was Despacito at $7.8 million, $7.8 billion. Ed Sheeran's Shape of You is third, $5.7 billion. Wiz Khalifa featuring Charlie Puth, 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 See You Again, that was at $5.5 billion. Mark Ronson and Bruno Mars' Uptown Funk is fifth at $4.5 billion. Uh, Get Movies, Masha and the Bear, Recipe for Disaster, is the name of the video? No idea. Uh, $4.498 billion, and then Psy is seventh, Gangnam Style, $4.5 billion. I don't know why this is fascinating to me, but it is. By the way, if you keep going down the list uh, after Psy, Maroon 5's Sugar, Katy Perry's Roar, One Republic's Counting Stars, Justin Bieber's Sorry, Ed Sheeran's Thinking Out Loud, Alan Walker Faded, Katy Perry's Dark Horse, Passenger, Let Her Go, Enrique Iglesias, Bayando, Major Laser, and DJ Snake featuring Mo, Lean On. Taylor Swift's Shake It Off is 20th or 18th. Adele's Hello is 19th. And Taylor Swift's Blank Space is 20th. That's as, as of May. So maybe there's a little change here and there. But the fact that Gangnam Style is at 4.5 billion views is just kind of amazing to me. Um, because the song, number one, is catchy as hell. The video is just so random and so bizarre. But when he was at his peak here in the U.S., he was on American Idol. He was on Dancing with the Stars. Hell, Sean Lowe got to dance to his other song, Gentleman, when Sean Lowe was on Dancing with the Stars. So I performed live, and they all did a group dance. I'll never forget that. I think I even said that when Sean Lowe came on my podcast. I said, Sean, of all the things that you've done, really cool stuff that you've gotten to do just by being The Bachelor and then doing this and doing that, I'm probably most jealous that you got to do a group dance with Cy. And... <laughs> I remember bringing that up to him, and he was just like, yeah, I'm not a dancer, but that was pretty cool. But, yeah, no, so that's where we're at with Gangnam Style, in case you were wondering, even though I'm guessing you weren't. And then finally, last night on Monday Night Football, I just, it's it's amazing to me that, I mean, I'm sure you've seen the stories, and, you know, Russell Wilson returned home and faced the Seahawks in his first game after playing what, 10 years in Seattle? He's now a Bronco. First game back, he plays in Seattle. Schedule makers obviously did that to get some, to draw some interest in the first Monday night game of the year. And just the 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 total clock mismanagement by Nathaniel Hackett in his first game as a head coach just has you scratching your head. I mean, what were they doing? And I, it's a very easy take to make. But it's truthful. You know, you're you're fourth and five at the 40, what were they at, the 46, 47-yard line of Seattle with over a minute left. And they let the clock run down to 20 seconds and then called a timeout and then decided to send the field goal unit out. You paid Russell Wilson $240 million this offseason and you took 40 seconds to then call a timeout and then decide, you know what, we're not going to let you try and get us closer to field goal range, Russ, even because they still had two timeouts left. They could have run four plays in 20 seconds. Three, definitely. Four might have been pushing it to get closer. Now, granted, if you don't convert on the fourth and five, you're not going to get any closer, and you're going to turn it over on downs. But they decided that a 64-yard field goal from kicker Brandon McManus 
whose last six attempts over 60 yards all missed, yet you paid Russell Wilson $242 million in the offseason for this exact thing. Convert on fourth and five, get us a closer field goal. But no, they waited 40 seconds, they blew all that time off the clock, and then decided to take a timeout, kick a field goal. They missed. And then, in an even more bonehead move, Nathaniel Hackett decides, well, you know, all, all Seattle's doing is just taking a knee because it's 20 seconds left in the game. He uses his final two timeouts after Seattle takes their first knee and their second knee. Like, he makes them take three knees to end the game, which just makes him look even more stupid. But that's what you get. Um, just horrible, horrible coaching at the end of that game. How do you not let Russ try and get you first down on fourth and five? Because if you get closer, Brandon McManus is probably making it. Now, there's no guarantees. Obviously, it could have been blocked, could have been a uh, penalty, whatever the case. But you're telling me that you spent $240 million in the offseason, and when given your first opportunity to let that guy make a big play, you decided, nope, we're going to put him on the sidelines, and we're going to have our kicker, who's missed his last six attempts over 60 yards, try and kick the second longest field goal in the history of the NFL to try and win it. Just, there's no excuse. He talked about it after the game, and there's, it was horrible. It was not a smart coaching move at all, and Nathaniel Hackett is getting ripped after his first game as a professional NFL head coach, which he should, because you got to let Russ cook there. If he doesn't get it, at least you tried. But I guarantee you have a better chance of converting fourth and five with Russell Wilson as your quarterback than you do of Brandon McManus kicking a 64-yarder, which would be the second longest field goal in the history of the NFL. Bad move, man. That's why you're 0-1 and you lost to the Seattle Seahawks, who, by all prognostications early on, are going to be one of the worst teams in the NFC. Not a good start, Nathaniel. Anyway, thank you very much for listening. I really appreciate it. Um, We are back tomorrow, obviously. We'll talk a little bit about what we see on The Bachelorette, part one, finale, tonight on ABC. So check that out and come back tomorrow for your daily roundup. Thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. We'll talk to you tomorrow. See you!